Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And details. Insightful insight, expert expertise, all on the 101 ESPN app in your App Store or Google Play. Wake up and talk sports. A lot of sports. This is Carriker and Smallman, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. It's always great to talk to Chris Long, the Greenlight Podcast, of course, Water Boys, so many great. Uh, incredible charitable endeavors over the course of the years with Chris Long, who's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line with Michelle and Randy. Christopher, great to have you with us. How you doing? What's up, guys? Chris, it's great to talk to you. And I listened to your podcast with Randy where you guys discussed Long Gone Summer, and it was great. I really appreciated Randy's perspective. But what you talked about prior to that, I really want to get into with Asteroids. I am so with you on Asteroids. We get this report, Chris, every couple of months, it feels like. An asteroid is nearing Earth. It could take us all yeah. out. It, it, But then it goes right by. Take it or leave it, Chris. Asteroids are the Cleveland Browns quarterbacks of space. Yeah, I mean, we're getting... There's a lot of hype. You know, some of them are bigger asteroids and meteors. Um, you know, some of them have, you know, some Baker Mayfield hype. Totally. Maybe this is the year we get blown to smithereens by a, you know, a 50-mile-wide uh, asteroid that puts us out of our misery. Uh, maybe the Browns turn the corner. Maybe they don't, just like every other time we read about it. So is there something in outer space that you do fear? If it's not asteroids, are you worried about UFOs or aliens or something from outer space doing damage to us? No, I, I because you have to consider this, like the distance that an alien would have to come from, Randy, they've already like buzzed the planet and they've probably been here. Like if they have the capability to get here and go back, they would have already done what they wanted to do. So I'm not worried about aliens. And I'm positive there are aliens. I think there's probably a planet just like this one, and there's a radio show just like this one talking about sports similar to the ones that we enjoy because it's infinite, you know? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, Chris, while we're kind of on the subject of esoteric things Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Chris, uh, Randy and I were just talking last segment. I was reading this article in the New York Times about how 100 million years ago there was a bipedal crocodile, a crocodile that walked on two legs, and it was nine (laughs) feet tall. As a very tough guy, how would you attack a fight with a bipedal crocodile? Uh, With my Benelli Super Black Eagle. Uh, my shotgun. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going. Hey. Well, you know what? A crocodile probably has short arms. Yes. So you might be able to box that thing, but nine feet. Yeah. No. Nah. I wonder if William Hayes would believe in this. Uh, a croc- William Hayes would not believe. William Hayes does not believe in dinosaurs, but if he did believe in dinosaurs, he would definitely make the case for why he could uh, beat up a dinosaur. I mean, I've heard him tell me. He could beat up a tiger, beat up a grizzly bear. 
you know, he could beat up a silverback gorilla. I mean, the guy is delusional. Does he have a specific approach for each of these animals, or is it just, I'm tougher than them, I will beat them? Uh, in his own words, wrestling. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> he, he, he was a great wrestler in the state of North Carolina, Greco-Roman, and uh, he's incredibly strong, but he's a human being. <laughs> Chris Long's Green Light Pod is available on Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to find your favorite podcast. And uh, first of all, I'm kind of disappointed that it's only a 4.9 rating. For me, it's a 5 all the way. I, I can't imagine that somebody would not have given you a 5. So the, the average well, of 4.9 well, is... I had, I had, I've had a few people jump off the bus the last couple of weeks uh, oh, yeah. when we yeah. talked about some tough tough issues that uh, rhyme with placism. Uh, <laughs> some people don't like hearing that that exists, but I, you know, also it's like an Uber rating, you know, um, you could work your absolute hardest to, to maintain a good rating. You're always going to get rated down in a four nine. I'm cool with that. Four nine is awesome. Is your approach in speaking out different now than it was as a member of the St. Louis Rams, for example? Yeah. I mean, like, well, for one, I've explained to a lot of people this, uh, I think we might have talked about this, Randy, but when I was in St. Louis, you know, we got a wonderful, wonderfully scaled market, you know, in St. Louis. It's, you know, a, um, you know, an obsessed sports town. People love sports, but it's not New York, you know, um, and the media is cool. Like the media is not there to press you. The media just wants you to show up, do your job, answer questions, you know. So when I spoke out, on any social issues, if it was on Twitter or whatnot, uh, kind of flew under the radar. It was like people maybe weren't paying attention or, the you know, the, the media outlets weren't picking it up, which mm-hmm. was never why I would speak out on some issue that's near and dear to my heart. Now I make the transition to Boston and Philly in consecutive years, and I'm lulled to sleep by the, the notion that I can kind of say what I want and just nobody's going to pick it up. And that changed fast. Uh, and so a lot of people, I think, not only didn't see me play in St. Louis, but they never heard what I had to say, um, which is not – I don't say things so that a bunch of people hear it. I say things because, you know, that's the way a normal person would use social media. Um, everybody's talking about issues outside sports. Why do, I, why do I not get to be able to do that? So when I went to Boston and then Philly – there was this big confluence of conversations we were having as a country, and I had been talking on those things, so I just kept talking about it. Um, and then it kind of got picked up, and I said, oh, crap, you know, this is not St. Louis. Uh, everybody's picking these quotes up. Hey, that, that year in New England, is it when you walk through those doors, do they tell you, because you were not as active on social media that year, is that a, a Belichick thing? Is that something that's just a given? You walk through the doors and say, I, I shouldn't do this because that's not part of what we are here. How does that work in New England with the Patriots? Well, for me, my biggest thing when I was arriving in a new team is, you know, I'm always going to be heard, but I wanted to be seen more than I was heard. You know, um, when I'm in St. Louis, I've exhibited the ability for years to play at a high level. And, you know, my fans know me. Uh, you know, the fans of the team know me. They know my commitment. They know I can talk and then back it up. And when you have New England, you're entering a locker room that's been established for a long time and, you know, although I did end up in some situations with, with the Kaepernick talk and, you know, speaking out on, you know, supporting him pretty early, that was that was something I thought might might uh, rock the boat a little bit. 
it actually didn't. Um, you know, Bill is a pretty supportive coach. As long as you're there and you show up and, and do your job, as they say, uh, he's going to be okay with it. And that entire year was like a year in, you know, it was, it was a business year. Uh, but I did grow to love a lot of my teammates there. And, and uh, I had some of the best teammates I've ever had in, in New England and great locker room, supportive fans that are obviously used to winning. Uh, but, you know, I, I respected those teammates so much that I tried to keep a low profile, at least at first, because I was new and I was in their space. Chris, as you know, your time here in St. Louis wasn't very great on the field, not because of you, but because of the franchise in general, the organization. It was miserable for a lot of St. Louis Rams fans to watch so yeah. much losing. And I just, I always wonder if you were aware of this, that you were the bright spot for a lot of St. Louisans during that time. You became one of us. We were like, Chris Long gets it. He gets our city. He is our guy. Even if the even if the, the, the team isn't winning, we love Chris Long. Then you go off, you win two Super Bowls with two different franchises, and there's talk, maybe Chris Long will sign a one-year deal with the L.A. Rams. Maybe he'll end his, <laughs> you should see Randy's face. He's cringing right yeah. now as I'm even saying yeah. this. Did you yeah. realize when all of that was happening or that you might even be considering that, how emotionally invested St. Louis was in you not signing yeah. a deal with the Rams? Of course. Um, like, first off, when I was in St. Louis, my number one job is to always be aware and cognizant of the fact that, you know, I'm not one of these people that's like, you know, hey, when a fan says, we pay your salary, so shut up. Like, I don't agree with you, but I appreciate you so much if you're a fan of me. Like, you know, it's, you know, players, fans, we all make this thing go around, which is football, and we all love it. And we all have a, a place to play in it. And when for eight years, you know, you're making a lot of money to show up to work and chase quarterbacks and do that sort of thing, like, and you're on a bad team, it can be disheartening. But what I always saw was loyalty and fans that just kept showing up. And, uh, you know, that was, that, that really touched me. You know, the, after really bad losses, you know, I'd be out there playing my ass off and just on a Monday instead of getting, talk down walking through the grocery store St. Louis fans are keep your head up we see you working that sort of thing so I think they had we had this understanding of you know I'm not a quarterback I can't win you games um, I can help us win games but um, I'm going to play my ass off and I think fans knew that now you know uh, when you when you change gears and your IR for a couple of years like and the team moves you feel like a kid and a divorce and both the parents moved and left you like camped out in the, the city park. Like I didn't know, I didn't know like where to go. I, you know, even after new England, the Rams were maybe an option. Um, and I can't lie and say that I never like kind of missed my teammates, the few that moved out to LA or that I missed wearing the horns. Like it was this really conflicted idea in my head of, what if they call and what if this works out? Like I could be lined up next to Aaron Donald again, playing with William Hayes, playing with Robert Quinn. Like I didn't see the LA Rams. I saw like my brothers and I also was very aware of the, the fact that in St. Louis, there was a lot of hatred for the franchise, understandably. So I didn't know how I would cross that bridge if it came. Uh, but I'm not going to lie and say that it wasn't enticing to at least look at that offer because of the guys that were there and because of that helmet, you know, and I still as awesome as those two years, three years were in Philly and Boston and the two Super Bowls. I still sometimes am jealous of guys who play their whole career in one uniform. Um, and that's what I always wanted to do. Now it all worked out. 
and I'm glad I didn't have to make that decision. But if I if I had to, I probably wouldn't have gone because I, I feel like I have that much loyalty to St. Louis, and that's just me being honest. Well, good answer. Everyone here appreciates that, Chris. It was it was very yeah. well thought out and honest. Um, and now you're in the media. You have a great chalk media. You have a, a great podcast, Greenlight Podcast. What's been the most surprising thing for you to be on the other side of the mic? Um. Just the feeling of like, man, am I wasting people's time? Like guests and that sort of thing. I'm very self-conscious of, I've been on the other side of it. You know, I want the guests to know that I not only have done my homework, but also that it's going to be interesting and hopefully not something they feel like when they get off the phone, like that was a chore. Um, So I think, you know, asking peers to come on the show, I'm kind of self-conscious about that. And then also the fact that like, I, I struggle sometimes to wake up and be convinced that people care what I have to say or that they should. So that's a tough conundrum when you're doing like three pods a week, which I'm doing right now is like, is what I say actually that important? Like, should I even turn the mic on today? But I got a lot of really good subscribers and supporters and, and I lean on the listeners. I'm like, what do you want to hear? And, you know, we do a lot of mailbags. I just did a pod with my dad yesterday, which is really great. And 90% of it was the, the listeners just sending questions. And so um, it's uh, it's been awesome. But I'd say the hardest part is just getting over the, the instinct that nobody cares what you have to say. And I think, Chris, from my perspective, your platform is so much bigger than football because of the Waterboys Project and all the things that you've done to make the world a better place. And for, so from my perspective – I care about what you have to say because I do know that you're curious about the world and you want to know everything you can. That's the, it's, it appears to me. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's the truth though, Randy. I think when you're not curious anymore, like if I wasn't curious, I couldn't do what I'm doing. I would hate to punch the clock and just tell another football story about my career or talk about myself um, a different way. Every podcast, like that's, that's easy. You could roll the ball out there and do that, but, I want to talk about everything. I want to have like an astronaut on. I want to have, you know, a physicist on. I want to have, you know, Randy Carricker on and talk about, you know, baseball because I don't know so much about the MLB anymore. Uh, you know, I want to have a ton of different people on. And, and really when I do interview some somebody, I think the key is, are you really interested in that person? If you're not, you're not. And maybe it's not for you, but I'm interested in everybody I have on the show. Has there been, uh, and they are all interesting, but has there been a name that you have chased that you got, you said, wow, this is really awesome that I have this particular guest. You know what? Steve Kerr was great recently. Um, I thought that was great. Uh, You know, there's going to be a few here that now that we're picking up some momentum, that I'm like, wow, I really got that person. I had Clyde Drexler recently during the last dance. Uh, Had Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine last week, which I really enjoyed. Um, And then, uh, you know, I really liked uh, McGee from NASCAR, one of their senior writers a couple weeks ago, kind of painting the picture of what's going on in that sport right now with the banning of that flag. And and uh, he was one of the biggest voices in, in the aftermath of that. So I, it's almost like the less I know about something, the more I like to guess because I'm learning. I'm not just interviewing, I'm also learning. So when I talk to somebody in NASCAR or, you know, Randy, like I've known you for years and sure, I, I grew up playing baseball, but during my NFL career, I stopped really watching baseball. Um, so to be able to talk to somebody that can explain things to me 
And I'm not just asking questions that I know the answer to. I'm really trying to learn. That's what I love. Well, it's uh, you're doing a great job of it. We're excited about it. And for not only the Green Light Pod with Chris Long, and you can find it wherever you find your favorite podcast, but waterboys.org, you still have amazing things happening in, in providing water and changing lives uh, in Africa, too. Yeah, we still got Waterboys going. We have a, um, you know, something called Hoops 2.0, uh, which is a, this is the basketball arm of Water Boys. We launched it with Malcolm Brogdon a couple of years ago, but he's matriculating to do his own thing in the water space uh, real soon. So I'm excited for him. Uh, but we still got Hoops 2.0. We got Water Boys, and we're moving into some other leagues hopefully soon. Um, and the fans have been awesome. And it started in St. Louis. You know, we had our first uh, event right there in Clayton, and they gave us the momentum to, to do work all around the world. So appreciate St. Louis always for that. Christopher, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. And uh, anytime you need anything from us, you know you have an open invitation. Y'all the best. Talk to y'all soon. All right, Chris, take care. That is our friend Chris Long joining us here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN.